we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of Urgency of Change. Each weekly episode in this season of the Krishnamurti podcast is based on a major theme of his talks, such as freedom, self-knowledge, authority, beauty and meditation. Extracts from our archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is violence. Upcoming themes are intellect, happiness and self-knowledge. This podcast is brought to you by Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK. For more information about activities and programmes at Brockwood, such as the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre, Brockwood Park School and more about the Foundation, please visit our website at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's podcast has five sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's first discussion at Brockwood Park in 1977, titled, What is Violence? What is violence? How does violence arise? And there is not only physical violence, hitting each other, throwing bombs at each other, killing each other, but also there is various forms of violence. It is violence when human beings are in conflict psychologically. That's a form of violence, surely. There's a it's another form of violence is when we imitate, when we conform, when we follow. All those are indications, like being angry and so on, are a form of violence. Right? So, when we talk about violence, we are not only talking about psychological factors of violence, but also the physical actions of violence hitting each other, throwing bombs at each other, and so on, so on, so on. The terrorists, the, the totalitarian states which suppress people, all that is a form of violence. Right? Now, is it possible to be free of that violence? Psychologically, let's begin first psychologically, not physically. We are saying, is it possible? It is only possible, isn't it, when you can come face to face with it and deal with it. Right? Not have theories, ideals of non violence and all the rest of it. Right? That is an escape from the fact. I want to be free from violence. There, therefore, I must be, uh, there must be an awareness of all the factors of violence and observe them, not run away from them, not say, I must change them, I must become non-violent. In becoming non-violent, you are in conflict, right? Because you are violent and you want to become non-violent and therefore you make an effort and that very effort is a form of violence. That's a, right? Can we go on from there? 
So, is it possible to be free of violence? And look at the whole issue, the complex problem of violence, psychologically, which means, are we imitating, conforming, adjusting ourselves to a pattern which we or others have established for us. All those are symptoms of violence, like anger, hatred, jealousy. Now can we remain with that factor of violence and be aware choicelessly of the whole structure of violence? Will you do it? Are you doing it now? Are you doing it, sir, the questioner? Is the questioner put that question? Is he doing it? Or is it just a theory about violence? Where there is division between man and man, woman and man, and so on, there must be conflict which is a form of violence. Nationality, nationalism and so on is a form of violence, obviously. When there are two dogmatic beliefs and each trying to convert the other, opposing each other, it is a form of violence. So are we aware of this factor in our life? And when you become aware of it, what are you going to do? Just say, yes, I'm aware of it, but carry on with violence? Therefore it becomes a very serious matter. If one is really to be free of violence, to, to look at it, to live with it, to understand it, to go into it and see all the multiple forms of violence, totally be acquainted with it. And when you are acquainted with something, it flowers, and then this withers away. You don't have to fight it. The second extract is from the second talk in Bombay, 1983, titled Facing the Fact of Violence. I am violent, that's the only state, violence, not non-violence. The non-violence just an idea, it's not a fact. So where there is violence and non-violence, there must be conflict. And in this country, you have talked endlessly about non-violence, and probably you are also very violent people. So the fact and the non-fact, the fact is human beings throughout the world are violent, that's a fact. Violence means not only physical but also imitation, conformity, obedience, acceptance, <coughs> various other forms of violence. That's, that is what is. The other is not. But if you are conditioned to the other, that is, to pursue while you are violent, non-violence, that is to pursue the, away from the fact, then you must have conflict. But whereas if one dealt with what is, that is, I am violent, I am not seeking non-violence, which is nonsense. 
because while I'm seeking non-violence, I'm being violent, I'm sowing seeds of violence. Right? Don't go to sleep, please. So there is only one fact that is unviolent. So, in, in the understanding of the nature and the structure of violence, there may be the ending of violence. So there is only fact, not the opposite. If this is very clear, that the ideal, the principle, the, that which you call the noble, are all illusions. What is fact is, we are violent, ignoble, corrupt, uncertain, and so on. Those are facts, and we have to deal with facts. Facts, if you face them, they do not create problems. It is like that. So, I discover that I am violent, and I have no opposite to it. I reject totally the opposite. It has no meaning. So I have only this fact. Now, how do I deal with fact? You understand my question? How do I approach the fact? How do I look at the fact? What is my motive in looking at the fact? What is the direction in which I want the fact to move? I must be aware of the nature and the structure of the fact. To be aware without choice of the fact. Can you are you doing this as we are talking? Or you just happily listening to some lot of words? and picking up here and there some words that will be convenient, suitable, and not listening totally to, the, to your own inquiry. How does one then deal with fact? That is, how do I observe the fact that I am violent, that violence is shown when I get angry, when I am jealous, when I am trying to compare myself with another, if I am doing all that, then it is impossible to face facts. A good mind faces facts. If you are in business, you face facts and deal with the fact, change the fact. You don't pretend that you will do something else away from the fact, then you are not a good businessman. But here we are so ineffectual, we have no we don't change because we don't deal with facts. Psychologically, inwardly. We avoid them, we escape from them. Or when we do discover them, we suppress them. And so there is no resolution of any of them.
The third extract is from the first question and answer meeting in Sanan, 1982, titled Does Violence Have an Opposite? Is there a psychological opposite? There is the opposite, man, woman, darkness and light, pain and no pain. There is the opposite, naturally. But we're asking, is the conflict does it exist in the psychological opposite? They're clear. So, is there an opposite to what is? I am violent. And is there an opposite to violence? And many philosophers and many teachers and many idealists have said it. The opposite is the concept of non-violence. Right? There we have the problem right away. The concept and the fact. So, there is a division of type. Right? Time being what is and which is violence that to be transformed to through a series of investigation to arrive at the opposite, which is non-violence, which is the end of violence. Right? Now, where there is opposite, there must be conflict, good and bad, right? We are talking psychologically first. So, there is violence, probably in all human beings, inherited from the animal and so on, so on, so on, and cultivated carefully through nationalism, separatism, through the idea that each one of us utterly separate from everybody else, psychologically. Right? Religions throughout the world have maintained this, that you are a separate soul. We have talked about that in the past, during the last six talks. Now we are asking, is there psychologically an opposite to what is? Right? I am violent. Why does the thought create the opposite? The fact is, I am violent. The fact is, I am anxious. The fact is, I am greedy, envious, lonely. Those are facts. The opposite is a non-fact. Right? Do we, do we, do we accept that? What matters is not there should be freedom from violence. What matters is to understand the nature of violence and see if violence can end, not create the opposite. The moment we create thought creates the opposite, conflict begins. Is this clear? Can we go on from there? So, I am one is violent. Can we look at that quality, that reaction, 
and find out whether it's possible to end violence, not create a, a state of mind which says, I'm free from violence, ending violence. You understand? Not the continuation of violence as non-violence, right? That is, the opposite is inevitably born from its own opposite, right? So, is it possible to observe violence and end it? What is violence? Anger? The desire to hurt another? Violence is competition? Comparison, imitation, all that is generally considered violence. An ambitious man is naturally violent. Right? We have described what is violence. And without creating the opposite, can this state of violence end? Right? Because we see the opposite must create conflict, right? But if I say to myself, I must end violence in order to achieve another state, that's again escaping from what is. So, can that end? And not let it continue in another form, at another level. Right? So, let's find out together whether violence, with all its extraordinary complex complexity, end. That is, when we observe the reaction which the world has awakened, right? The world. For most of us, the world is extremely important. So can we look at this reaction called violence without the world? Right? It's really quite complex issue this. Can I look at my wife, if I have one, a girlfriend, without the world? Without the word which creates the image, the word which is the symbol, and discover that thought is a movement of of verbalization. Right? Are you doing all this together with? Or am I? Are you merely listening to the speaker? You know, we are caught in a network of words. We are German, French, Italian, whatever it is. These are just labels, words. But behind that word is a great deal of. culture, certain traditions, and so on, so on, so on. So can one observe this fact of violence without the word? That's the first question. Then 
is the word creating the feeling. Right? You understand? When I say, my wife, the word creates the feeling. So can we look at this reaction without the word? Right? See what the implications of that is. That is, the word is the remembrance or the association of the past incidents which have which have called violent. So when I use the word, I have I have related the present response to the past, and therefore the past is judging. Right? It's quite a lot of exercise of the brain. Exercise to observe very, very, very closely when you are looking at this fact of violence. So, can, is there a freedom from the world so that to look? Right? When you free the brain, when there is freedom from the world, what remains? You understand? Only the reaction, right? Which you have named as violent. I wonder if you follow on this. Are we meeting each other or am I talking to myself? You see? In observation, not to, to, in observation, to be free of time. Right? I'll explain it more. Time being the past, right? Modifying the present and continuing. Right? The past accumulation of memories, experience, knowledge, meeting the present, modified or not modified, and continuing, which is the future. Now, to look at violence without the idea of time, The fourth extract is from the first talk in San Francisco, 1983, titled Ending Violence Without Motive. Disorder exists as long as there is this idea, please listen, if you will, there is this idea of evolution. We are not talking about fundamental absurdities. There is evolution, from the child, from the baby to grown-up man. There is evolution as the seed which grows into a marvellous tree. There is evolution in learning. I don't know Russian, one doesn't know Russian, but needs time to learn. And that's part of evolution. To learn a skill requires time, that's also evolution. Time, thought, is the process of evolution. (coughs) 
So we are questioning. Is there, please listen, if you will, kindly and amicably, is there psychological, psychic evolution at all? I, you, becoming something. To become implies time. Grow like the seed into a tree. Is there psychological evolution at all? I know <coughs> we accept that as a fact, that I will become something. Perhaps that is the result of being a clerk, becoming a manager, manager becoming the executive, the executive becoming God. <laughs> we carry that same principle into the psychological world, that I will become something. reach heaven, reach illumination, whatever one has passed. So, we are, say, asking, questioning, doubting, or there is psychological evolution at all. That is, the psyche, part of the psyche, is violence. We all know what violence is, both physically and psychologically. Violence is a very complex problem. Violence exists as long as there is comparison, as long as there is. Imitation, conformity. Violence, we all are violent, inherited from the past. And it's a common effort to end violence through non-violence. Right? We're all saying this, propagated by several people from India and Torsoy and others. Pursue non-violence, politically, in other ways. Non-violence is a non-fact. It is an illusion. It has no reality. What has reality is violence. And when you pursue non-violence, you are cheating yourself. Non-violence doesn't exist. It's an idea. It's a theory. But what exists actually is violence. And we're asking, as we said, <coughs> This violence is part of your psyche, of you, you. Will violence end through time, through evolution? I hope you are putting this question to yourself. That is, I will gradually, one will gradually understand, delve, find the cause, and gradually dissipate this violence. Moment you admit graduality and the future, that implies evolution. 
violence cannot end through evolution, now or in the future, because man has lived for million or less years, thousand years, in violence. He's part of his nature, part of his psyche, part of his consciousness, his action and reaction. You hate me and I hate you. You kick me and I kick you. That's what we are doing. That's what man has done for thousands of years. And we say to ourselves, someday it will end. Through League of Nations, absurd, isn't it? Through some divine action, through some mutation in the psyche, suddenly. So, is it possible to end violence not sometime in the future? But immediately, the whole content of violence, not the word only, but the significance of that word, the depth of that word, the content of that word, which is not merely the physical action, but the whole movement of me, the ego, and you, separate, trying to conform, trying to imitate, trying to become all that is part of violence. Aggression is violence, competitiveness is violence. And to talk about being free from competitiveness is an anathema in this country. You abhor it. You will say, is does it all nature compete? Doesn't a tree struggle against other trees to find light? But we are supposed to be human beings with some kind of intelligence. So violence, we are asking, is it possible for it to end instantly, not gradually? It's a very serious question. We'll see whether it's possible or not to end violence without any motive. Because the moment you have a motive to end violence, that very motive becomes the part of violence. I hope you understand all this. If or when you want to end violence because it's profitable, because it's the right thing to do, or you think violence is not is anti-religious, you want to live a peaceful life. If any kind of motive behind the act of ending violence is the continuation of violence, I hope one hopes you understand this. You can look at it for yourself. If you want to end violence, it can't have direction. It can't have a, say, a, a motive which says, I will end it. We're asking the question. When you ask a question, there is doubt behind it, there is skepticism. And skepticism, doubt, clarifies the brain, which is against all your religion.
You don't doubt your guru. You don't doubt your religious authorities. You don't doubt your the whole rigmarole of religious entertainment. So, when you question whether violence can end instantly, the whole com- complexity of violence, you are doubting, questioning, asking, asking yourself. Now let's find out, prove together, whether it's possible to end violence completely, so that you can live in this earth peacefully. Because if you are violent, you cannot possibly live peacefully. That's not a motive. But the fact is, we are violence. Violence between man and man, woman and man, and so on. What is violence? We say reaction. It's a response. It is there, inherited, perhaps in the very genes themselves. We're asking, can all that end? How do you observe? Observe a tree, observe the lovely sunset or the beauty of a sky in the evening. How do you observe things? When you look at the new moon, just over the horizon, a slip of light, hardly perceptible. When you look at it, what's your reaction? Do you see how beautiful it is and turn away to other things? Do you ever look totally, completely, attentively at anything? Do you ever look at your wife or your husband or your children completely without any reaction of parent and all that business? Just to look. Can you look at a tree without naming it? Can you look at that moon, full moon of an evening? when the heavens are clear and all the evening light is awake, do you ever look at it without the word, without all the remembrance of full moons of yesterdays? Just to look at it. When you so look at it, there is a totally different movement going on. It's not the movement of thought. It's not the movement of pleasure. It's not a remembrance of something past. You are looking at it as though for the first time in your life, when you don't name it. So can you move from the altar, which is looking at the moon, move inwardly to this whole structure of violence? Look at it. 
without any reaction, without naming it as violence. That sense of clear observation, without any motive, without any reaction, bias, just to look at the extraordinary thing that we have called violence. It's like looking at a great precious jewel. It's not yours or mine, but it's there, in your hands. When you so look at it, so completely, attentively, that which has been called violence, with all its movement, ends totally. You are not, please, you are not learning from the speaker how to observe. You are learning for yourself what it means to observe. Observe the whole, be aware of the nature, the structure of the whole in which we are. The rain, the clouds, that ex- those extraordinary clouds full of light and depth and quality, to just to observe all this. And so, le- so one can learn, one can observe what it means, violence means. And when there is such observation with with great attention, because you cannot observe if there is no attention. The word attention means to grasp, to go out and take. We are not using the meaning in that sense, to attend. To attend to what you are saying, to attend to your thoughts, to attend diligently, at this violence which has brought such great misery to human beings. When there is such pure attention, which is the gathering of all your energy, to focus on this fact of this reaction called violence, there is an ending completely of that violence. Please don't accept it from the speaker. He's not your authority, he's not your guru. He's not your he's not a professional. But you are observing this fact for yourself, seeing the truth of it. The final extract this week is from the first question and answer meeting in Sarnen, 1981, titled Are You Adding to the Violence in the World? The earth on which we live is our earth. It's not British earth, the French earth, or the German, Russian, Indian, Chinese. It's our earth on which we are all living. That's a fact. But thought has divided racially, geographically, culturally, economically. That division is causing havoc in the world, obviously. There is no denial of that. That's rational. Objective, say. Right? And we've, we have been saying human beings living on this earth, which is our earth, all ours, not the isolated, divided 
communities, our earth on which we are all living, though politically, economically we have divided it, for security, for various forms of patriotic, illusory, and which eventually brings about war. We have also said that human consciousness, please go into this with me, we may disagree, you may say it's all nonsense, but please listen to it and see if it is not rational, objective, <laughs> say. All our human consciousness is similar. Right? We all, wherever, on whatever part of the earth we live, we all go through great deal of suffering, great deal of pain, great anxiety, uncertainty, fear, and we have occasionally, or perhaps often, pleasure. This is the common ground on which all human beings stand. Right? This is an irrefutable fact. We may try to dodge it, we may try to say it is not, I am an individual and so on and so on. But when you look at it objectively, non-personally, non uh, as a British, French and so on, you will, in examination, you will find that our consciousness is like the consciousness of all human beings psychologically. You may be tall, you may be fair, you may have long hair, maybe I may be black, white, pink, or whatever it is. But inwardly, psychologically, we are all having terrible time. We all have a great sense of desperate loneliness. You may have children, husband, all the rest of it. But when you, when you are alone, you feel this feeling that you have no relationship with anything, totally isolated. I'm sure most of us have, have had that feeling. And we are saying, this is the common ground on which all humanity stands. And whatever happens in the field of this consciousness, right, we are responsible. That is, if I am violent, I am adding violence to that consciousness, which is common to all of us. If I am not violent, I am not adding to it. I am bringing a totally new factor to that Consciousness, right? So, I am profoundly responsible either to contribute to that violence, to that confusion, to that terrible division, or as I recognize deeply in my heart, in my blood, in my depth of my being, that I am the rest of the world, I am mankind, I am the world, the world is not separate from me, then I become totally responsible, obviously, which is rational, objective, same. The other is insanity. To call oneself a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Christian, and all the rest of it. They are just labels. So, when one has that feeling, that reality, the truth of it, 
that every human being living on this earth is responsible not only for himself but responsible for everything that is happening. Now, how will one translate that in daily life? Right? How will you translate it? If you have that feeling, not intellectual conclusion, as an ideal and so on, then it has no reality. But if the truth is that you are standing on the ground which is common to all mankind, and you feel totally responsible, then what is your action towards society, towards the world in which you are actually living? The world as it is now, is full of violence, right? And only a very, very, very few people escape from it, because they are carefully guarded, protected, and all the rest of it. One realises, suppose I realise I am totally responsible What's my action then? Shall I join a group of terrorists? Obviously not. Obviously, competitiveness between nations is destroying the world. The most powerful, the less powerful, and the less powerful tend to become more powerful which is competition, not only nationally, which is destroying the world, shall I, realizing that I am the rest of mankind and I am totally responsible, shall I be competitive? Please answer these questions. When I feel responsible for this, naturally I will I I cease to be competitive. And also the world, religious world as well as the economic world, social world, is based on a hierarchical principle. Right? And shall I also have this concept of hierarchical outlook? Right? Obviously not. Because that again is the one who says, I know, the other says, I do not know. The one who says, I know, is now taking a superior position economically, socially, religiously, and uh, has a status. And if, if you want that status, go after it. But you are contributing to the, great, to the confusion of the world. So there are actual, objective, sane action, when you perceive, when you realize, when in your heart of hearts, in your depth of your being, that you are the rest of mankind, and that we are all standing on the same ground, 